It's the Dangerous Love Podcast number two. Still sheltering in place here in Hawaii, COVID-19, like many other people and families around the world. That got us thinking about the most practical place that we can practice dangerous love right now, and that that's that's in our homes. That's where we are right now. Organizational tips, community tips, world tips, you know, they're not as relevant right now in the moment compared to the relationships that are right in front of us now for many of us 24-7. And so we thought over the next couple of podcasts, we will try to look at dangerous love at home. We'll look at relationships with our partners. We'll have another podcast a little later looking at relationships uh, with our children. And we're going to start with our partners today, and I've invited my wife, uh, Amanda Ford, onto the podcast as well. She teaches in the peace building program here at BYU-Hawaii and teaches uh, classes on interpersonal conflict, family conflict, and has her master's degree in social work and has done a lot of work based on relationships. And so I really can't think of anybody better to bring on and, and talk about this. And, and, and we started talking about this, this news story that came out of London. Quote was, uh, the prediction is that self-imposed confinement will very likely lead to a rapid rise in divorce rates. And they quoted one lawyer who said that our peak times are often after long exposure during the summer holidays and over Christmas. And then he said, one only has to imagine what it's going to be like when families are sealed in a property for a very long period of time. And I think some of you might be actually wondering right now at this moment, yeah, what about those divorce lawyers? Uh, maybe that's who I need to talk to after being cooped up with my partner for several weeks. There's a lot of stress going on right now, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of frustration, partly due because of the situation that we're, that we're all in, and partly due because we're spending more time with our significant others than at any other time in our life. And the things, the fissures in our relationships can start to really show because of the experience that we're in right now. And so I'm gonna invite Amanda in at this time. And, and I know one of the things that you did, Amanda, in prepping for this podcast, was that you texted a bunch of your friends to sort of mm -hmm. ask them what they're doing or how their relationships are going right now. And what, what was the feedback that you got? Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Hi. I, <laughs> yeah, it's been hard for me not seeing my friends face to face, but I did send out a text and asked a few of my girlfriends, how are you surviving? And maybe what are some tips? And so, <laughs> The one that stands out, I guess, the most was one of my girlfriends said, I got nothing for you, <laughs> she said, um, but I'm excited to listen to it. And so I, I kind of pushed back and said, you know, I know you and, and I'm sure there's something going on that's, you know, using your creativity and uh, maybe you're not in the best place with your partner right now, but what is it that you could be doing or what are you doing? And she said, well, I did three 1,000 piece puzzles and we're still talking to each other. So, and I was impressed. I said, wow, that's, that's awesome. Like <laughs> you sat down for a long time and created something together and finished them. She finished three 1,000 piece puzzles. I don't think I've ever finished one 500 piece puzzle. <laughs> so <laughs> that was one thing. Another one, a girlfriend said, 
her first response was, um, well, sex can keep us less tense so i thought it okay takes the edge off the, oh yeah that that's what, what it was it takes the edge off the tension right the edge off the tension or something like that so there, there's a tip there's a tip for some of you but actually seriously about sex i know <laughs> chad and i joked about how many times am i gonna mention sex in this podcast but i was reading something about just that stress actually a lot of times decreases your desire to have sex so just being aware that Maybe you're not on the same page, and um, if you are, that's great, and take advantage of it. <laughs> but just respecting, I guess, that sometimes it it maybe isn't what's going to be the best thing for somebody. Right out of the gate. There you like, go. Right, right, there right you out go. of the gate. That was in your first two minutes. <laughs> yeah, we you should know, have made a bet on how I should long. just, like, <laughs> scratch out the intro here because I was like, okay, look, what, what we're not going to do today is do all this sort of behavioral stuff, okay, create boundaries or – you know, here's schedules that you guys can put together or more communication. I literally wrote, we're not going to like argue about more sex or less sex or, you know, fair divisions of, oh, you wrote of parenting responsibilities. <laughs> and, you know, we're already out the window. She's like, either do a puzzle or, 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 have or, sex. or more sex. But you asked. Um, and not that any of those things are, are bad ideas. They're all really good ideas. Boundaries can really help relationships, schedules and, and understanding what everybody's got going on in their life and, and, and creating a predictable schedule with so much unpredictability around us is, is, is important. Communication obviously is really, really important. And the physical relationship that, that people can have together or, or getting on the same page about parenting or you know all those things, like they're all really important. But it's been, it's been my experience in, in conflict, whether that's family conflict or organizational conflict or whatever, that those behavioral tools are all good tools when our relationship is right. And when it's not, they, they don't really have the, the same effect, right? Boundaries can be a way of freezing people out, right? For example, like when we're really angry with someone in a relationship or schedules can be used as a way to control someone or uh, you know other people as part of a relationship. Communication, as we all know, can also be toxic uh, when we're when we're in an, in a relationship, and so in the in the book Dangerous Love, we talk a lot about this idea of self preservation versus us preservation. The Arbinger Institute frames it as inward mindset versus outward mindset, and and when we're in that self preservation inward mindset mode, when we're constantly obsessed with what are they doing for me, all of these tools really sort of lose their robustness. They really lose their effectiveness. However, when we're in an us preservation mode, when we're really thinking about the other person, when we're in an outward mindset, we're really trying to understand what are their challenges, needs, and how do we become helpful for them in a way, then these tools become really effective. But my, my guess is right now, if you're listening to this and saying, I'm not sure I can make it another 24 hours with my partner right now, what I need is more boundaries or what I need is, you know, a, a clearer schedule or what I need is more sex or what I need is less sex or what I need is uh, some of those thousand piece puzzles uh, in, in my house, that that's probably not the root, the root of the problem. It has more to do with how we're seeing our partner than, than any of those behavioral things, even in challenging circumstances like like we're facing today and and I, and some of you are probably raising your hands right now and say it's the kids fault and it, really we would be fine if we didn't have kids but there's lots of people that don't have kids that are also reporting they don't have fine I think it's a convenient excuse and we will talk about kids we'll do that 
on the next podcast today. But I, I want to talk about you and your partner. And I want Amanda to, to kind of kick us off. You know, one of the researchers she she talks about and reads and uses a lot is, is John Gottman. And, and Gottman has a lot to say about this. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about the tools that Gottman has given us and applying them today in this new circumstance. Like we're all in a new situation. Um, it's affecting some more than others. Some are home now, both uh, partners working. Some have kids, some don't. It's everyone's trying something new for the first time. And so Gottman, I think his tools will be really helpful if we look at it. The first one, he, he, he asks us to, he says he can predict divorce. I think it's like a 90% accuracy within the first few minutes of watching a couple interact with each other. And so thinking, how do I, you're gonna all argue, right? I, I think Chad and I probably argue less often than, I, mean, I don't know, I, we argue, <laughs> it, it, it's, it happens. And probably you're gonna start arguing more the more time we're spending together. We don't have that outlet. We um, are lacking a lot of our coping mechanisms right now. Um, mine is yoga and I don't, I don't have that outlet right now. I don't have like the same connections to my friends that I used to. So everyone is in a new situation trying new things. So Gottman says, if I can watch you in an argument, I can tell you uh, if you're going to make it or not, if you're going to be one of the disasters or uh, the masters. And so if you want to master this relationship and get good at seeing your partner as a person, uh, one of the first things he says is, how do you start that conversation? So if it's an argument, if there's something that you're wanting to talk to your partner about, how are you starting it? And he calls it a harsh startup. Can you have a soft one or a harsh one? So looking at the way um, we start our conversations maybe is a good a good place to start. He gives us, and a lot of therapists use this, using the word I, like I feel instead of you. So instead of, like we can complain because there's going to be lots of things to complain about right now. I think you're all going to find um, those things about your partner that maybe bug you a little bit are going to start probably bugging you a little bit more um, just because of the fact that you're going to be around each other more. So can you complain without blaming? Can you talk to your partner in a way that's soft and expressing what I need um, and saying I feel this way instead of blaming them for things? So that that's one tip I think Gottman has that's helpful. Um, but even that seems like it comes back to how we see the person, right? When we're, we're seeing them as an object or in a selfish sort of inward way, it's really hard to start a conversation that way because yeah. it's not really about a conversation. It's, it's really about being heard and making sure that the other person sees you as opposed to really sort of understanding and really trying to get at why is this happening? What are things that I don't understand about you or that might be going on in your life right now that is making this relationship challenging or difficult? That th those conversations are harder to have when we're stuck in inward mindset. Yeah, um, right? for sure. Yeah. Um, I think we use the word get, getting out of the box. Well, there, just this idea of like, if I have a feeling towards my partner that I'm, I don't know, just annoyed or upset and I can't see him as a person, I can't really see his hopes or his, the reasons maybe he's doing something, it's going to be harder for me to have a conversation with him. I think the other important thing that Gottman talks about is figuring out who we are. He has this tool called Love Maps. So some of these things actually I, I think are really easy to access. Like you just got to go on online and look it up. But he has these list of questions that you can ask your partner. And I think before you start asking your partner 
figuring out who they are so that you can see their hopes and dreams and desires and make them matter as much as your own is first figuring out what you what matters to you so he has another exercise I would suggest before you do your love maps um, it's called who am I it's in his book but I'm sure it's online too he says asking yourself these questions and taking a minute to sit down and journal them and then you would ask your partner to do the same thing and then you just swap journals and read each other's answers and that's I think a little it's a different exercise than the love maps but it gets you first looking at yourself and asking yourself questions that maybe go a little bit deeper than just asking how your day was but maybe what what's making you trigger either different emotions of anger or frustration or and then looking at yourself and understanding, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And then after you can get through that exercise, you can move on to the love maps. And I think asking your partner questions about, it, it can get deep or it can be basic, but I, I think following some of the ones online are helpful. Can you explain more what you mean by a love map and, yeah, and what that is? Yeah, sorry. So he, he calls it a love map and he suggests doing it um, often is, is figuring out, going back to when you first met your partner and think about how much time did you spend either however you met like I think for Chad and I it was a lot of phone conversations um, when we first started dating just really spent tons of time talking to each other and getting to know each other and getting to the heart of what makes this person tick and happy and what is he passionate about um, what are his worldviews what are you know, some memories of his childhood. I remember learning lots of really fun stories. You can imagine Chad Ford as a child. <laughs> um, really enjoyable stories, just getting to know each other. And so taking your relationship back to, to mapping like your life and what makes this person who they are, because we've changed now. Like Chad and I haven't been married that long, but for those of you that have been married longer, think about who you are now is different than the person that you fell in love with. So getting back to that, um, asking each other those questions, even if you think you know the answer, I think like one of them is, who's your childhood best friend? Hmm. And like, yeah, I might know that about you. Or maybe I've asked you that before. Maybe I haven't. <laughs> so when you say a map, it's, it's sort of like a roadmap to who I am now. And it's sort of tracing those experiences and, and everything that sort of makes me me if i was doing a love map with you i would be trying to trace that back to really understand what your childhood was like what your experiences were in high school yeah what about college and and even if you've known that person for a really long time uh, asking those questions and eliciting those sort of answers you might be surprised at times about what's going on in someone's life or, or the ways that, yeah. that, that things are, are challenging or hard for mm -hmm. them or good for them because we take a lot of things for granted. We start to live in a kind of an assumptive world, right? I just sort of assume that I know what the other person is thinking or feeling or doing, uh, and this is elicited. Yeah. It's an exercise. It, it sometimes takes us off guard by... And sometimes they get deep. It starts out a little less deep, I guess, and it can get deeper. And like even just asking your partner, what what are you afraid of right now? And validating and listening to them express that emotion. And then what makes you happy right now? What are you most looking forward to? You're just thinking about 
you know, what makes this person who they are and what's changed over the years that we've been married. And, you know, maybe I have a new interest that you have no idea about that I haven't shared with you yet. Or maybe, you know, we're not necessarily, well, actually, I guess this is still applicable, but like what challenges are you facing at work right now? And, you know, what's the hardest thing about being a parent? Or, you know, there's lots of questions that we just kind of forget to ask each other. I like that. I, I think that's that's really great. In fact, I, I almost like that better than the journaling exercise because the journaling exercise I could still see being inward mindset, yeah, right? Like for sure. I, I'm going to write all this stuff down because I really want my spouse to know all of this stuff about me. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, we do this exercise in, in my classes where we, we imagine two people back to back and they're elbowing each other, right? And we ask people what, what, what's happening. And, and, the, and the, the answer is, look, they, can, they can't see each other, but they can feel each other. And I think what a perfect description of a dysfunctional partnership, right? Uh, a sort of romantic partnership, right? We can, we can feel each other for sure. We are feeling frustration, anger, you know, annoyance, whatever it is. We're not really seeing each other, right? And so the, the common response for people, so, you know, how do you fix that? Well, I try to get in front of the other person. I try to make them see me. I try my best over and over again for them to see me and see my dreams and desires, needs and wants, to acknowledge those things and then start to, to act differently towards me. And that leads often to a ton of frustration, right? And the reason that it's frustrating is the other person in your partnership or marriage is doing the exact same thing, right? And so both of you are trying to get in front of the other person and make that other person see you and, and validate you and, and, and love you, but we're so busy doing that that we're not actually seeing the other person. And so what, one of the things I like about the love maps is, is I, I think one of the great definitions of, of being outward mindset and 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 us preservation is I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Curious is right one of my about the other person. Yeah. And you know the interesting thing is you know I was thinking as I was as we were talking, how do I avoid being defensive sort of in that moment? Like if they're t if they're telling me something, how do I avoid being defensive or saying, well that's that's not how I see it or whatever? But I, I think curiosity is is the antidote for that, right? Can I ask those questions not to rebut, not to correct people, not to give my perspective on how they should be thinking or feeling about things, but can I just get deeply curious about what it is and why you feel the way that you feel and ask those why questions not out of disgust or because I can't understand you, but why out of I want to get more and deeper understanding about you. Yeah, for sure. I think maybe even setting some ground rules before you ask those questions and saying like I'm going to dedicate this like 30 minutes to sit down together and when someone asks me a question, I'm going to listen and I'm not going to interrupt and I'm going to be able to let them share. So I, I'm curious, like I want to know you. And the more we know each other, I feel they're going to feel more seen and being able to share something that's really important to you with your partner and having them listen and look at you in the eyes <laughs> um, and really make that connection with each other. That's what's going to start helping things go right. And the good news is because of COVID-19, we have plenty of time <laughs> to do this in ways that sometimes it's really hard to do in our, in our everyday life. A lot of us married people that aren't the same person <laughs> as ourselves, right? Of course. And, and so a lot of times it's a little bit like trying to listen to a foreign language, right? People are talking and they're expressing themselves 
and, and, and we're hearing the words, but we're not always understanding the words, right? We're not always understanding the other person. I know that you also love this book, Love Languages, mm-hmm. and this is something probably more familiar to, mm-hmm. to a lot of people, but I think it's worth talking about, right? If we're going to be engaged in these so, sort of deep conversations of trying to understand and curiosity, it's helpful to know some things about people that might be a little different than maybe the way you would see the world or, or you would go about it. So you want to talk to us a little bit about love languages and how you've used love languages yeah. and how it can be helpful. Yeah. I, so, so for sure, this is one of my favorite things to use in my, in my classes I teach, but also in my own life to help. And again, I'm going to say first, you've got to understand yourself, um, what your love languages are. And so Gary Chapman talks about five love languages. He gives you a list, um, Real quickly, I'll just say the first one is words of affirmation. Second one of acts of service. Uh, third is receiving gifts. Fourth is quality time. And fifth is physical touch. So he has these online, again, really easy to just take these little quizzes and probably have enough time now in your life where you can sit down and take the quiz for yourself. And so you'll find your answers for what works for you. And the idea behind these love languages is that it's, the way that you receive and feel the most seen and heard and loved. Um, so if you take this test and you realize, oh, like I didn't know, and it, and it's, you know, maybe one will be the strongest, but you'll have maybe two or three together that, that work for you that um, are your strongest love languages, which means you feel loved in that way. And usually, not always, but usually the case is if you receive love that way, that's your love language, then often you'll also give love in that way. So imagine that mine is physical touch, like my number one love language is physical touch, and my partner is not physical touch, is not his number one love language. And every time I come home or he comes home, I just wanna grab him and hug him, and if that's not his love language, I'm giving him love, but is he receiving love? Like that might not really work for him. So understanding what your partner's love language is, um, is really important. So being able to do that together, I think it's kind of a fun exercise. And, um, just like any, like there's lots of personality tests out there and, you know, it's not like ground, like exactly, you know, just because this, you know, I answered these 20 questions, it means that this is exactly who I am, but it, it, I think is a, gives you a good guide for, you know, how you receive and give love. So what happens if your love language isn't the same as your spouse's? And I think that can lead to a lot of frustration, yeah. right, mm-hmm. at times. You know, for example, yours is physical touch, but you don't feel like you're getting physical touch. Or even that you're giving it, but it's not being received, received the yeah. way that, that you would receive mm-hmm. it. H- how, do you, how do you handle that uh, when, mm-hmm. when your spouse is love, your spouse is like loving in a different language? Yeah, it is. It's like speaking a different language. It's trying to understand maybe... For part of it, for me, is just understanding that there's different ways to give love and being able to communicate what you need. And I I think if we're we're going back to seeing your partner as a person and really like this is about him, not about me. So how can I meet his needs and making sure that he feels that he's feeling loved as well? I think that's for me really important. I, I also do with my kids like not all my kids are little cuddlers. Some of them really just need time to sit and talk. Um, 
some of them really love gifts and some of them love us to take them out to lunch. <laughs> like, like just figuring out like there's different ways that people feel love. And it's okay if your love language isn't the same as your partner, but the goal here is to really understand. And just like those love maps, like asking questions and being curious, like, what is it? Like if, if yours is acts of service, like asking yourself, what can I do? to show my partner that I love him. And if it might not come naturally, um, just like learning a language, it doesn't always come easy. So being able to say, okay, just because it's not my first love language or it's not my first spoken language that I'm giving uh, naturally, can I learn how to adapt and do things for him that will show love? That's, that's the first big part, right, is how do I learn how to speak their language, mm -hmm. right? And also it helps us understand the stories that just people tell every day when they come home. And, you know, if, if I come home and Amanda's having a bad day, it's really interesting how some of it might just be, I just need a hug or I just need five minutes of you holding me. Uh, even mm -hmm. right before this podcast, I just need <laughs> uh, some physical touch before before we start. And, and understanding that that, even if that's not something that, that I would necessarily need, giving that is a way of, of actually connecting to my partner because now I'm connecting to them in a way that they can feel love and, and it actually helps them be able to love back in a certain way. But what, what happens for those for the couples where one person's all in on this? Okay, like, okay, I get it. I'm gonna study my spouse's or my partner's love language and I'm gonna do a better job of trying to give it to them, but then I'm not, it's not reciprocated back. Right. And well. <laughs> so uh, I, I, you know, I'm I'm giving, yeah. but I'm not getting. And, you know, that's that's a really common thing that you'll hear couples that are really frustrated. I'm giving, mm -hmm. but I'm not getting. And and oftentimes there's lots of problems with that. Right. What, what we're we're giving, but we're also giving a lot of other things that probably aren't good things that we're giving as well. And we're blind to that and self-deception, la, 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 la. But what, what happens when I'm sincerely giving? I'm really trying, well, but I'm not getting it back. First of all, that's dangerous love, right? Like you're giving without expecting them to give it back. Mm. And is that okay? Like in a relationship, I mean, we talk about dangerous love. Can you apply it to your partner, to your spouse? And so what you're is saying that <laughs> is that, that that shouldn't be our primary concern yeah. in the moment. If I'm giving to get back, then I'm not really giving in the in in the same way. I don't think so. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is this is again. You know, we talked about those people that are back to back, and trying to get in front of them mm -hmm. so they see me. So one way that I could think about this. Oh, I get it. If I speak their love language, they will see me. Right. Right. And so my motivation isn't about speaking their love language or or, or loving or sort sort of serving them. It's really about still about me. It's still about me yeah. getting them to see me. Right. And, and, and when we engage in that, it's interesting how, because that's not actually the deepest sort of love, then it's not received as love the same way, right? So I can go through the motions and do quality time, mm -hmm. but it's not really quality time. Or I can go through the motions about gifts, but they're not really the gifts that maybe somebody would really want. Or I can give words of affirmation, but they're hollow. Or acts of service, but they're reluctant acts of service. Or I can give physical touch but it's not, but my heart's not in it because what I'm really just hoping is that then I'll get what I want. Right. And, and, you know, again, I think this gets back to the behavioral aspects of, 
of even love languages, right? It's, it's not so much about the behavior, though the behavior is important, but about the motivation, our, our way of seeing, our mindset that goes behind the behavior that ultimately makes it effective or not effective. Yeah, exactly. That goes back to Gottman too. Like he's that harsh startup or soft startup. That's your way of being really like, how can I communicate in a way that is showing kindness um, and love? I, yeah. It's really interesting how often, you know, I hear in mediations and I know that you hear as well. I don't get my partner. Mm. I don't. I don't get them. They're they're weird. They you know they and and after a while that not getting can lead to resentment or not liking them. Not we talk liking. a lot about that. Like uh, right. Like I, I don't like my spouse right now. And right. in fact, there might be people listening right now who are saying, "Man, I wish I had a partner that I'd be interested in even doing this stuff yeah. with," but I don't. I don't. I've lack. I lack that interest right now. And a- again. It may go deeper than love languages. I know another thing that 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 you found really useful, and, and I know that you've used a lot with with your students and and clients and classes is the Enneagram, and the idea, again, nothing's perfect, but but there's different types of personalities and different, re- really different ways of sort of seeing and working through the world together. And when we're married to a different type or in a partnership with a different type they can actually appear really, really confusing. Yeah, for sure. So if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, again, you can go and and research and actually take a a test again and figure out these are one of those, you know, some people get weary of these personality tests. But this one I found out of all of them, I also like the Meyer-Briggs one, but this one really touches on a deeper sense. And the reason behind doing this is what I love the most is so again, first starting with yourself, like, can I understand who I am and what makes me who I am? And then taking this, these Enneagram tests and these I, like personality types, I guess, is what we'll call them. And they're numbered. So they're one through nine and saying um, without really pigeonholing you into saying like, this is exactly who I am, but it will give you a lot of insight into the reason why. And I, I, think we talked a lot about communication right like and I think it's a misunderstanding and even Gottman will point out that communication isn't really what fixes or solves or determines whether or not your relationship's going to make it because you can have communication in two ways like you can communicate and, and a couple can argue in, in a soft way or in a hard way but thinking about these personality types and understanding the way somebody communicates um, I think is going to help you understand your partner better. So if you want to try something new, this is a really good opportunity to take, you know, if you have that extra time, sit down and look at these Enneagram tests and look at yourself and your personality. And um, I think Chad and I have gone back and forth. <laughs> they actually give you, like, you find out what your partner's is, and then you can look, like, how does a two and a five match together? Um, sometimes it's helpful and I think sometimes we've kind of struggled with it a little bit actually. So I don't know why we, why we struggled with it. Um, I think Chad and I are alike in so many ways. I think for me, I want to believe like, oh yes, I've found my soulmate and (laughs) I have this like perfect match for me. But then there's times where 
our personalities do clash. Um, he's much more introverted. I'm more extroverted. And that's just one little example. But um, I don't know. I, I think if you overdo it, and maybe I was, it was when I was really into it and I was studying it a ton. And um, one of my favorite bands, Sleeping at Last, has an, uh, a song for each number. And I love it. I'm like kind of obsessed. And I listen to his podcast and I, you know, really get into understanding myself and trying to understand Chad but then I think the mistake I make is putting him into a pigeonhole like he's not and Chad's a, a little unique because he's a very wide he's a he's a five but also it's it's not like a strong five I guess he's he's got pieces of him everywhere so I don't know I, I think it's been good for me but I think again going back to like why am I doing it Am I doing this so that you treat me better or that you look at me better? Or am I doing it so I understand you and I can treat you better and I can communicate with you in a way that works better for you and I can give you your space that you need and I can do things that are helpful for you without trying to see what I'm going to get in return, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think sometimes the challenge can be because none of these tests are perfect. There's not just nine types of people in the world, right? There's there's millions and maybe billions of types of people in this world. But if it's in the spirit, and I think this is the sort of theme, if it's in the spirit of curiosity, mm -hmm. if it's in the spirit of I really want to try to understand my spouse or my partner more, if it's in the spirit of I'm I'm tired of feeling disconnected to this person and instead of blaming them or saying, look, we're just incompatible or, you know, you just don't know them the way that I know them to really take a, a, a give them a second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever it is now in your relationship chance uh, of asking them the questions that may help you understand, understand them in ways that allow you to be more helpful to them. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really interesting. You were reading me some questions earlier when we came in here about, and, and, and the theme of a lot of those questions that you were reading to me were about how do I help my partner on their life journey? Mm. And, and often, you know, conflict, one, one of the ways we define conflict in the book is it's our inability to collaboratively problem solve. And when you're in a partnership or when you're in a marriage, you're faced with a number of obstacles and challenges every day, living with somebody, uh, working through just the basics of practical life, the larger scale issues, intimacy issues. I mean, you just go down the list of problems that, that, that couples have to, have to solve together. And if I don't see you as a person, if I'm, if I'm only inward mindset, if it's only about how you impact me, then I can't really collaboratively problem solve with you because the only solutions that matter to me are only the ones that work for me. Collaborative problem solving requires us to care as much about the needs, desires, and wants of the other person as my own. It doesn't mean that, that, that mine don't matter. It's just that ours matter. And, and I have to get really curious about that. And I think at the deepest level, you, you've talked a little bit about this sort of worldview you know, there's the practical, there's the intimate level, there's the worldview level. At the worldview level, those are our deepest concerns. Those are the deepest things that we're, that we're about. And those are the things that often are motivating us in our life um, to become the person that we want to be. And if we feel like at any moment our partner's not there for that, yeah. that they don't, they don't see that, they don't value it, um, that they're not there to support it, 
relationships really, really struggle. Yeah, uh, those questions you're referring to, um, actually got from a psychologist was trying to get their partner to see if their spouse was doing these things for them already, can you recognize them? And and we talked a little bit about this, like can we ask those questions of ourselves without expecting that our partner is doing them for us? I guess it's more of like, can I ask it, instead can I look at these and say, okay, am I helping encourage my partner on their journey? The question is how has my partner encouraged and supported me in my growth and development? But asking instead, like, how have I helped my partner? Have I been encouraging my partner in his growth and development and things that matter most to him and getting to really, you know, looking at those love map questions and really asking, you know, what is it my, what, what are my hopes, my partner's hopes and my partner's dreams and how am I participating and helping him be his best self? This is why I love the word partner. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. I like it better than spouse and 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 a lot of wife or you yeah. know a lot of other other terms. Because partner implies that we're in something together. Mm-hmm. And that we're not the same person. Right. Yeah. But that we're in it together. And that thing that I think that we're in together is are we are we matched with someone that we can help become their best self and they can help us become that best self. And as our relationships break down and we get frustrated, I think we really lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. I always think, you know, you like watching weddings and, and love stories and whatever, <laughs> and you always tear up. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't have that same emotion. But one thing I do sort of think about is the hope that's there, right, at that start of the relationship. It's this, this hope. Oh, that love is so strong at the um, beginning. And it's not just, for most people, it's not just hope that they're going to be good for me. It's also hope that I've found someone that I can be good for. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's where real love takes hold. If you're not actually feeling that, then that, that's probably a problem if, <laughs> from the beginning. But we lose sight of that. And, you know, I'm reminded when I graduated from high school, there was a talk and it was the one line I remember from it, the enthusiasm at the beginning of a project inevitably wanes by the end, right? Mm. The enthusiasm at the beginning of something inevitably wanes by the end. And, and I know that there's lots of different circumstances of how you've ended up with your partner, but for the vast, vast majority, the enthusiasm is high at the beginning. It's hopeful. And then life hits us. Our own choices hit us. Their choices hit us. Uh, sometimes choices that neither of us are making, just external circumstances that are around us that we don't even have control over, like COVID-19 right now, hit us. And, and when it does, our enthusiasm wanes. And, uh, and the self-preservation instinct kicks in. And we begin to be asking the question, what will happen to me? instead of the more important question, what will happen to us? And so, you know, uh, Amanda, as we wrap up this podcast, if someone's lost that, they've, they've lost that desire to ask what will happen to us. They've lost that desire to really um, be curious about or see the other person. How do you get it back? Hmm. Yeah, I wish I had an easy answer for that. How do you get it back? I think asking yourself, and even like one of the tips I read was, can you think of 
those first few dates, those first moments you had, those first conversations you had with your partner, what brought you together? What made you fall in love with them? How did you see them then? And can you bring those emotions back? And then seeing as your partner's changed and grown and you know that space between you maybe has changed, um, can you go back to what it, what it was and can you revisit that emotion and can you get in tune with it? And then can you grow that love? So I believe that inside of us all, everything that we need, everything that we hope for, it, that, that feeling of that emotion of hope is in us already and we can get back in tune with it just like we can with that love that we had for our partner. And just being able to go back to visit that emotion and can I help it grow? Um, it's there. It, it was there at one time. Can I get that seed to grow back? And can I really like that? I think the theme of this this podcast, the word I always I love words, but the word curious I think is really important. To can I be curious enough about my partner to ask the questions and to really get into their their heart and their head and try to understand them better so that I can be a better partner for them and the motivations behind it is really loving them for and wanting to help them because you love them. I think that's great. That's really great (laughs) advice. And and maybe I would just add to that curious about ourselves Yeah. and the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and others and, and questioning at times our own stories that we tell about our partners and the stories that we tell about ourselves. Are they the whole truth about them and us? And especially if our story is a discouraging one or a frustrating one, is that the entire truth about them and me and our journey um, together? And does it have to be the truth going forward? Is it, is it set in stone? Or is there a way for me to change my story about you and me uh, in a way that, that can bring hope and, and love and light um, back into the relationship and we, we are blessed with this one thing. A lot of our, our physical things have been taken away from us right now. Our, our jobs that we care about, our restaurants and movies and, and you know all the cool activities and sports and all those things that are big parts of our life and, and that matter. And we're left with our relationships. And that is a gift. Yeah. It may not feel like one right now. <laughs> you might be sitting at home saying, this is the worst gift that I've ever gotten but nevertheless, it's a gift. And what we do with that gift is going to mean whether we come out of this beaten, bruised, knocked down and out, or whether we come out of this with a new perspective on, on life and relationships in a way that can, that can really drive us to incredible places in, in the future. My hope is that you choose to love dangerously in the midst of all of this, that you take this opportunity to get curious about yourself and your partner in a way that makes your world and the world a better place. This has been the Dangerous Love Podcast. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. I love you. I love you too.